So things in Samaria were booming for Philip. More and more people were coming to Christ. You might say if he were a pastor, that his church and his salary were growing rapidly. Yeah. I had a colleague in ministry once say to me that it was silly to transition to a smaller church for less money. His mindset is not foreign to those who see ministry like any other occupational role as being something of a ladder that you might climb. How often do you hear ministers say they are called to move from a larger church to a smaller one? But the model of Philip flies in the face of such reasoning. Why would Philip leave his proverbial big church to go down a desert road without any certainty of what lay before him? The answer, because God called him to go. And so Philip went. My analogy is far from perfect because Philip was neither an apostle nor a pastor. He was a layman. He was a deacon. But no doubt, Philip held the gift of evangelism. He was willing to walk through whatever door the Lord opened for him in order to share his faith, much like my brother A.T. who gave his word of testimony. And I had no idea it was going to involve a door opening. Walking through the door of evangelism will differ based upon one's context. Consider the people that Philip evangelized in Acts chapter 8. They were different in race, religion, and rank. The Samaritans, as we saw last Sunday, were half Jew, half Gentile, and they worshiped in a different way and in a different location. Additionally, those who were being reached there were primarily what we might call blue-collar workers. Yet the Ethiopian from our text was an African who had converted to Judaism. That is why he went on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. That is why he carried a scroll from the book of Isaiah. That is why Luke does not refer to him as the first Gentile convert. He was also a white collar worker. He was a distinguished public servant in the royal household. Consider also the method of evangelism that Philip employed in Acts chapter 8. His mission to the Samaritans was an example of mass evangelism in the order of a Billy Graham crusade. Conversely, Philip's conversation with the Ethiopian was an example of personal evangelism. In one instance, Philip used public proclamation, and the other he relied on private testimony. You and I might prove adept more so in one area than the other. But no matter the differences in relation to evangelic context and methods, walking through the door of evangelism will always hold some things in common. Through Philip and others like him, we can trace the four essentials of evangelism. One, God. Strictly speaking, Philip was sent down a seldom traveled road in the old ruins of Gaza. This road would have continued past Gaza to Egypt and onto the African 
continent. You know, the emphasis is not on the where, but on the why. God summoning Philip from a thriving ministry in Samaria to the wilderness of the Judean hills is not an irrational move. You see, God is not only interested in the quantity, he is also interested in the um, individuals of quality. And here we see a call to an ethnically diverse body of believers. The elders around the throne in Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, saying, Worthy are you, Christ, to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people from God, from every tribe and language, and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So it is that God is seeing to it that the scope of the church's mission to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth is being fulfilled. Luke's account to Theophilus certainly shows that the gospel is declared among all nations. The gospel is for individuals like Theophilus. The gospel is for individuals like us. It should not surprise us that the Lord calls his most effective evangelist, like Philip, down some remote desert road with so many people groups who have not yet heard the gospel in their own language. We should not be surprised that the Lord continues to call his most effective evangelist to go out into desert places. In his providence, God leads Philip to the Ethiopian dignitary at precisely the time when this official is reading a messianic prophecy from Isaiah chapter 53. And in ancient times, it would be strange for someone not to read out loud. In fact, Jewish rabbis were of the opinion that reading a manuscript aloud proved to be significant for memorization, whereas silent reading was the cause for forgetfulness. I, I look at it like this, I mean, a different comparison, not reading out loud, but I don't like those Kindles. I mean, does anybody have a Kindle? You know, and you may love the Kindle. You know, it, it, it saves the room. You don't have the books that are, you know, throughout your house. My wife complains probably about I have too many books. But I love to hold a book and underline. And I just can't really do that with a Kindle. That's just a side note. <laughs> the, the Ethiopian was reading from the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And the passage tells us that the Egyptian eunuch needed someone to explain Isaiah's message to him. In God's providence, he sends Philip, a Hellenistic Jew whose native tongue is Greek. It is God who prepares the way for Philip. It is God who sends Philip out at just the right time to just the right place with just the right skill. This much is clear. The first step of evangelism is God preparing and God sending. 
It is God who rules his church. It is God who directs his church. It is God who brings increase to his church. We are but his ambassadors who he sends out for his kingdom work. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us to humanity. God makes an appeal through us to those who need to be reconciled to Jesus Christ. In this way, Philip is a great example to emulate because he was willing to share the gospel to anyone at any time, anywhere. In Philip, we see someone in touch with the Holy Spirit's leading, which is a necessity to evangelism. Define appointments with people who need the Lord await each one of us. We only need to make ourselves available. This much is clear. God's sovereign work alongside the Christian's obedience brings the Holy Spirit's touch upon needy human lives. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 to 17, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So the second part of evangelism involves beautiful feet that bring the good news alongside receptive ears. That hear it. The carriage is not traveling at a great speed, allowing Philip to jog alongside it. He calls out to the Ethiopian, asking if he understands the text from Isaiah that he is reading. Correct spiritual understanding is a gift of the Holy Spirit, and the eunuch admits he needs to be taught. John Calvin contrast the Ethiopian's humility with the pride of the person who refuses to submit to biblical exposition. He says this is why the reading of scripture bears fruit with such few people today. Because scarcely in a hundred is there to be found one who gladly submits himself to teaching. I would ask that individuals who question the Christian faith and its doctrines to at least sit under biblical teaching for a period of time and to listen with an open mind before dismissing the gospel. They might just find, in the case of what we see in the Ethiopian eunuch, that it does not take long for the Holy Spirit to reveal to them their need for Jesus. Amen. And that leads to three. Christ. For the poet, the road on which we travel is a metaphor for our journey through life. The Ethiopian is found on a desert road where Philip introduces him to Jesus Christ, who is the way to life and life in abundance. 
This principle is clear for evangelism. Every Christ follower should be able to guide people in the way. All of us should be able to point people to Jesus through God's word. The Bible from beginning to end is about Jesus. We can therefore take any text, even something like the genealogies found in 1 Chronicles, and share Christ. Isaiah chapter 53 is a little bit easier. Okay. <laughs> Led as a sheep to the slaughter. Jesus was arrested in Gethsemane's garden. He was led to the high priest to stand trial and then appeared before Pontius Pilate, accused of blasphemy. Christ is despised and rejected by men and suffers on behalf of sinners. As a lamb before its shear is silent, Jesus did not seek to defend himself, but willingly stood as an atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world, for your sin. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Jesus was unjustly tried, he unjustly died, and he was buried among the wicked. Who will tell his descendants because his life was taken from this earth? Jesus sends out individuals like Philip with and through the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus says, When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. The number of Christ's followers will grow more numerous than the stars in the sky because Jesus rose from the dead, ascended to the right hand of God Almighty, and he sends out his ambassadors to bring glory to his name. Our task is to make Christ known. For precisely this reason, some churches have a plaque fastened to the pulpit with the words from John 12, verse 21, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Those sitting in the pews, you sitting in the pews, do not need to hear my views on topics that may or may not relate to your life. You do not need to hear me tell a lot of stories, although Brooke tells me I should tell more. Rather, you need to find the way. People need to find the way. So we share Christ for people looking for truth along the road of life. The old adage bears repeating, expound the scriptures, exhort the sinner, and exalt the Savior. Reportedly, a man stood up at one of D.L. Moody's gospel meetings and declared, I have now been for five years on the Mount of Transfiguration with the right knowledge of Jesus. Moody immediately asked the man, That is great, my brother. How many souls have you since won to Christ? The man said, I cannot say. I do not know of any. Moody then replied, that's too bad when a man gets so high that he cannot reach down to others, there is something wrong. Moody's point, it does little good to have knowledge of lofty biblical truths if you are not in touch with people who need the Lord. Philip loved God and he loved people. 
Had, not, had that not been the case, he would not have shared Jesus with persons of all backgrounds, red, yellow, black, and white. They are all precious in his sight for response. When I was a youth pastor in Delhi, Louisiana, we had a family attend our church from Tallulah. It was about 40 minutes away. The family came in different vehicles, you see, because John and Connie had 11 children. Now, now they were of varying ages, so some of the older ones could drive the younger ones, but so it was like a, you know, caravan, you know. Um, we need some hogs in this church, just saying. Um, John had an evangelistic mindset, to say the least. You see, John was known at times not to make it to church because he would instead pick up a hitchhiker along the I-20 interstate, and he would drive as far with them, if they would listen to him share the gospel, to Shreveport. It was about three hours farther. I'm not sure how many lives that John directed on the way, I don't know how many church services John missed over the years or how readily I would recommend such a form of evangelism to my children. But I do know that John Hogue never rested on any mountain. He was never too high to reach down. He simply wanted others to respond to Jesus. And I'll tell you this, John Hogue has 11 children who follow after Christ. Once the Ethiopian invites Philip into the carriage with him, we do not know how far exactly they travel together. That's not of any concern to Luke. Philip simply wanted the Ethiopian eunuch to respond to Jesus. And that's the goal of evangelism, is that people might respond to the gospel. The Ethiopian came to faith in Christ, not as a treasurer, not as a high-ranking official, not as a rich man, not as a black man, not as a eunuch, but as a sinner availing himself much to the blood of Jesus Christ who died in his place. And that is the response everyone must make to the gospel. It does not matter your rank. It does not matter your color. It does not matter your creed. It only matters what response you make to Christ. Will you follow after the way? Or will you continue to walk in your own way? The Ethiopian's heart was so well prepared by the Holy Spirit that he believes and asks to follow the Lord in baptism. And coming up from the baptismal waters, verse 39 tells us that the Ethiopian went on his way rejoicing. The touch of God on those being saved produces genuine, authentic joy. So Philip thus leaves the Ethiopian and guided by the Holy Spirit, he's called to travel next to the coast of Azotus. It's about 18 miles from Gaza. And the text says he preached the gospel in all towns until he reached Caesarea. Philip faithfully followed God's lead. Philip 
fearlessly approached his fellow man. Philip factually shared the good news of Christ. Philip saw people freely respond, both in mass and individually. Did Philip miss out on anything because of his faithfulness in going to places where the Lord called him, even the remote ones? I don't think so. Acts 21 and verse 8 reveals that Philip at some point established his long-term home in Caesarea. Moreover, at some point the Lord blessed him with a wife as well as with four daughters, each of whom had the gift of prophecy. According to Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, this gifting enables individuals to speak to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort in the Lord. Evidently, Philip's daughters were well-versed in scriptures, and like their father, they sought after the things of God. I might suggest to you this morning that this was so because not only did Philip share Jesus with large groups of people, not only did Philip sit down with individuals and share Christ, but he shared Jesus with his family. What do we in the church want to get right? What do we want to get right? Professional status? Accumulated wealth? Climbing some worldly ladder are to see people come to Jesus, especially those in our family. Let me just tell you, if I die tomorrow and my three children commit their lives and their heart to Jesus Christ, I will have gotten it right. May we use our spiritual gifts, whatever they are, to bring glory to our King so that individuals will walk on the way that leads them to life and life in abundance. Pray with me. Lord, we know that people need you I ask that we would be the kind of individuals who look for open doors. Open doors to just say, let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life. Let me tell you what Jesus can do in your life. Let me invite you to sit under the preaching of God's word. Let me invite you to be directed by the Holy Spirit. The world is full of lies. It promises so much and delivers so little. But Jesus, you will fill up our cup until it runneth over. And so I pray, Christ, be exalted today. Be exalted in us and move through us, around us,
for your glory. Oh, because people do need the Lord. And we know him. So let's tell them about him. I pray Jesus be glorified.